Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want to talk about this idea of discipleship. Every Christian's responsibility. It is the great commandment, you know, to go out and to make disciples. It's the great commission, rather, is what I meant to say. We're all called, after God regenerates us, to go and to export his gospel to the world. We do that through evangelism. We do that also through discipleship. I want to talk about discipleship today. And one of the questions that is often asked this ministry me specifically, is do I need to become certified in order to become a counselor? I want to deal with that today. Let me, well, let me answer it right off. The question is, do I need to be certified to be a counselor? The answer is no, not necessarily. You are already certified if you have been born again. Now, I want to explain this, and I'm going to come from a Christian worldview. If you want to chat with me about this podcast, I would love for you to do that. Go to our community forums, get your username and your password, and you can ask any question under the sun, including questions about this idea of discipleship, counseling, biblical counseling, credentials, licenses, and certification. You can also read this podcast word for word, what I'm going to share with you. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for this title, Do I Need to Be Certified to Become a Counselor? I have three other articles embedded here that will benefit you. I have two videos. One is a short 90-second video that introduces our, what I call, our mastermind program, our training program. And then I have a 10-minute video that goes a little more in-depth of explaining our mastermind, biblical counseling, training, distance education, all online program, and you can learn about that. So we'll answer your questions. You can watch the videos. You can read the article. You can read the three articles that are embedded. You can listen to the podcast. Did you know that our book came out recently? The book is titled Change Me. Now, if you want to do some serious discipleship on yourself or on others, then I appeal to you to get this book. There's a banner here. You can click on it and click the banner. It'll take you to Amazon or just go to Amazon and type these four words, Change Me, Rick Thomas, and it will get you to the book. 34 chapters, 292 words it is a book that takes you through the change process. This is the book for our ministry. This is the book that our students have to read for their training. It's what I ask our counselors to use. I ask anyone to use it in their discipleship care of other people. It deals, it will help you personally, it will help you in your relationships. This is a great small group resource. Also, it is in paperback, and so you can get it by going to Amazon, and they will ship it to your door. It's called Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. Let's get back to the question that was asked, and I want to answer it in detail. 
Do I need to be certified to become a biblical counselor? I've already given you the short answer, no. Not necessarily. You're already certified. Now I want to explain what I mean. And again, I will come from a Christian worldview. A license, let's just talk about that. It is a permit from an authority to proceed with a specific activity. That's what a license allows you to do. It gives you permission, an authoritarian individual or board. They give you permission to proceed in a specified activity. The governing body permits someone to work within the realm of the individual's sphere of jurisdiction using the resources that they have provided. That's what a license is. Now, for the Christian, the governing authority is God. He is your governing authority. And the sphere of jurisdiction is his world, the world in which you live. He has given the body of Christ permission, or better said, he has commanded us to go into all the world to teach the ways of Christ. I mentioned it earlier. It's Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Now, there is your governing body, Father, Son, and Spirit. This is Jesus talking here in this text. And he's saying, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's your your authority. There's your governing board. There's your permission. Counseling, a synonym for discipleship, those two words, for the most part, are interchangeable. And so counseling is one method, or you could say discipleship is one method by which the believer can influence God's world for the sake of Christ. Now, let's take a look at the governing board, your governing board, assuming that you have been born from above. Most definitely my governing board. And I also want to look at the resources the Lord provides for us to accomplish the vital task of discipleship, or what some people call counseling. We'll take a look at your governing board first, and then we'll look at the resources they provide. Here's your governing board, the Father. He is the director of the board, laying the ground rules, while actively directing all things according to his plans. We read about this in Isaiah chapter 40. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he, the Lord, who sits above the circle of the earth, and his inhabitants are like grasshoppers. God is the director of our governing board. The Son, the Savior, is the primary point of focus for us to look to, to learn from, and model as we experience transformation in, into new and different people. It also reminds me of what John said in chapter 3. John said, I am not him, but I am sent before him. Jesus was a signpost. 
Uh, I'm sorry, John the Baptist was a signpost. And when you read the signpost, it pointed to him. And that's what we do. That's what discipleship is. When someone comes to you for care, soul care, discipleship care, counseling care, your objective, you're a signpost, and you point them to Christ. You lead them to Christ. He is the model. He is the one that we want to be transformed into. The Father is the director, the sovereign director of the board. The Savior is the primary point of focus, as we also read in Revelation, where we will worship Him bowing down. The Spirit is the empowering agent who goes before us. He lays the groundwork for change. He envisions, he equips, he empowers us in the process of change. And he is the one who ultimately brings change in those we serve. We, as disciples, we don't change anyone. We don't have that power to change anyone. As I like to say, change is a great level above what God has given us. Or as Paul said in 3.6 Corinthians, Apollos watered, Paul planted, but God gives the increase. And so the Father is the director of the board. The Savior is the point of focus. The Spirit is the change agent who goes before us and does the work of change. Now, what about the governing board's resources? Well, we have plenty. You have plenty. We have the psychology book. The word psychology, psyche, logos, means the word concerning or the study of the soul. The the word psychology means the study of the soul. The Father, the Son, the Spirit collaborated to write the ultimate psychology book, which gives us all we need to know about human behavior. Peter said it this way, that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Paul said it this way to his friend Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We have the psychology book, the word concerning the soul. The Bible is the word, logos, concerning the soul, psyche. Our governing resources, one, psychology book, two, illumination. The Spirit provides us special insight, wisdom, discernment to understand human behavior as we interpret that behavior through the lens of our, quote, psychology book, end quote, the Bible. And then we have the conscience. Our consciences are the moral thermostats that were hardwired into every human being, Our consciences act as a compass to determine right from wrong. We have the psychology book, the Bible. We have elimination from the Spirit of God. We have our consciences, our internal moral thermostats that help us discern right from wrong. And then we have disciples. Or if you want to say counselors, that's fine. The discipler interacts with the conscience of the disciple and the Spirit of God while applying the Word of God to help restore the person back to the individual that God intended them to be. Our governing board, Father, Son, Spirit. Our governing resources, Bible, illumination, conscience, and the community. Now, what about our worldview and our methods? Well, I want to get into that in the remainder of this podcast, and as I launch into it, I want, first of all, I want to share five things for you to consider as you think about pursuing credentials or certification. 
Again, the question is, and what this podcast is about, is do I need to be certified to become a counselor? Let's talk about our worldview and our methods. Here are five things I want you to consider. Number one, our culture would never approve of our worldview or our methods. They absolutely, without question, without reservation, reject everything that I'm saying here. So I'm not even speaking to them. It's pointless to interact with them unless I'm interacting with them evangelistically so that maybe God would show mercy on them and regenerate them by his power, and then they would believe in our worldview and our methods, so our culture would never approve of what I'm saying here. And while there can be advantages to ha- to having licenses, as long as you do not compromise your beliefs or sin against your conscience in acquiring them, it's it's not necessary to have them. There can be advantages, but it's not necessary. And that's where I don't want you to disqualify yourself. And this is really my underlying concern with this, is that we can create a two-tier Christianity, a two-tier system within Christianity, those who can and those who can't counsel or those who can't or, and those who can't disciple. And it all hinges for some people on this idea of certification. And I'm saying that it is not necessary. Number two, guard your heart against the temptation of finding your identity in your credentials rather than in your Christ. Whether there are biblical counseling credentials or any other kind of credentials, when we take our big old diplomas and plaster them on our walls, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you have your diplomas on your wall, more power to you. But I want you to guard against the temptation of finding your identity in your credentials, whether they're biblical counseling credentials or otherwise. Personally, I do not have any credentials on my walls. I haven't had for years, forever, my diplomas. I have three college degrees. They are in a drawer somewhere. I can't tell you exactly where they are because I don't know. And I have uh, two certified counseling certificates. Uh, I am a fellow also with ACBC, but I cannot tell you where those things are because I'm not exactly sure. I give them to Lucia every year. I pay my dues, and when the envelope comes, I don't open them. I just put them, well, she puts them in a file somewhere. They're not where I derive my identity. Number three, in my professional experience, I have had only one person ask me about my credentials as far as my training, my qualifications, my ability to counsel people. Nearly all counselees are looking for a good counselor while showing virtually no interest in your GPA, your credentials, or your diplomas. Your competency to care for others will be the number one credential that will give you opportunities to do soul care. Number four, I am not promoting an anti-education approach or a you-only-need-to-trust-God worldview. That perspective is dumb and is careless. Training Christians to counsel is what I do for a living. 
getting better at the craft of discipleship is every Christian's duty, which never ends until they finally, eventually meet Jesus. Let me say it again. I am not promoting an anti-education approach. That's not what I'm saying. Don't upload that into this podcast. I already told you that I have three college degrees and two biblical counseling certifications, and one of those is a fellowship with ACBC. So I'm not promoting that. That's not the point. And point number five, it is unfortunate that there are pockets in our culture who have a caricatured interpretation of ignorant, ranting Christians, blithely pontit, 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 <laughs> pontificating old truths. On one level, there is a legitimate reason for this caricature, because we can be too simplistic, as well as uncaring. But being certified or credentialed as the solution to this problem is somewhat misguided. I know some uncaring and simplistic certified biblical counselors. And so being certified or credentialed as the solution for this interpretation of ignorant, ranting Christians blithely pontificating old truths, well, certification is not the number one thing that you want to consider as far as a solution here. Training does matter, but ultimately your ability to counsel others well will be determined by God's favor in your life. Listen to that sentence again. Ultimately, your ability to counsel others well will be determined by God's favor in your life. When someone asks me about certification, in most cases, they're asking the wrong question, or minimally, they are not framing the query in the best way. Here's what they should ask. Will your training help me to identify if Christian counseling is a field I should consider? And if so, will your training help me to become a competent Christian counselor? She said, when, when someone comes to our training, our mastermind program, I never hold out to them that they the end of this result or the end of this training is going to make them a qualified, competent biblical counselor because that may not be God's mind for them. They may not have the skill set, the attitude, the disposition, maybe even the character to become that. You can go through our training and not be a formalized biblical counselor, a high-end formalized biblical counselor. That is not what our, our training can accomplish that, but our training can't make you into that. God makes you into that level of a biblical counselor or high-end discipler. And so the better question is, will your training help me identify if Christian counseling is a field I should consider? Absolutely, it will. It's like if you take the letter V, as in victory, and you flip it upside down to where the point, looking like a pyramid, is at the top, some people's certification program is just that. It doesn't matter who you are, but you will be certified. And unfortunately, with that idea of certification comes the idea of competence. And that person may not be competent just because they got the certificate. We turn the V right side up. 
meaning there are many options for you, not just one. Certification through our training does not mean you will be a competent counselor because you may not have the gift mix for that, and that is critical. That's why I answered the question, do I need to be certified to become a counselor? No, not necessarily. You do not need to be. The question that I just asked, will your training help me identify if counseling is a field I should consider? And will, if I have that gift, will training help me to become a a competent Christian counselor? That is the question that should be at the top of the training, educational certification, what I want to be when I grow up pyramid. Of course, several factors influence the answer to that question. One, the amount of money a person can spend on the training. Two, the amount of time a person can devote to the training. Three, the God-given ceiling and competency of the person seeking training. Four, the grace of God, which ultimately takes any counselor from good to great. And number five, the kind of role the person will have in the counseling community. Will the person be a leader or will the person have secondary roles? These are other things that would influence whether you need to be certified or not. The right kind of biblical counseling training for qualified people is essential. There is no doubt that one of the leading negatives that cripple Christian sanctification is biblical illiteracy. We need to be trained well. We need to be qualified. It is essential. People who come to me for counseling do so because they do not know how to apply God's Word in practical ways to their lives, to their families, to their situations. Now, there are many reasons for this, the main one being ineffective training and application of God's Word within the Christian community. We need to learn how to apply God's Word to our lives, our families, and our situations. We want to be competent. We want to be trained. And so, to restate, I am not uh, throwing the training out and saying it's unimportant. It is vital, critical, essential, paramount. We all need to be trained. We need to be in training for all of our lives. I've devoted my life to educating our Christian community. I am pro-education, especially when it comes to solving our soul problems, as well as how those problems profoundly and negatively affect each other as we interrelate within our communities. From a human perspective, secondary cause, human perspective is secondary causal. It is the lack of education, it is a lack of training that is hindering us from mastering the two greatest commandments of loving God and loving others most of all. It brings us back around to the question again. Does certification matter? There can be a distinction between certification and training. The better question should center on the training you receive based on the kind of person you are rather than the certificate, the license, or the diploma you want to pursue. I want to give you three illustrations to make my point. Again, the better question should center around training, not certification. Certification is a secondary issue. Training, however, is a primary issue. Here are three illustrations. Number one, in the sports world, during the 2015 Super Bowl between the Seattle uh, Seahawks and the New England Patriots, several outstanding players 
and plays made that game a great game. I want to list for you three of those players. Tom Brady, number one, is a multiple Super Bowl champion and multiple Super Bowl MVP. He was a six-round, 199 draft pick from the University of Michigan. Two, Chris Matthews played college football for Los Angeles Harbor College and the University of Kentucky. He was undrafted. The Seahawks gave him a tryout for the 2014-2015 season. He was working for Foot Locker, the shoe company, at the time. He made his first of several NFL catches in the Super Bowl. Number three, Malcolm Butler made the game-saving interception that gave the New England that gave New England the Super Bowl win. He was initially kicked out of his community college and began working for Popeye's restaurant chain. Eventually, he made it to Division II school, West Alabama. From there, he made it to the Patriots' rookie camp, and the rest is history. Here's the fundamental idea. The one thing these three men have in common is their talent, not where they went to school and not their diplomas. The best Christian counselors are those who have been gifted by God to do Christian counseling. There are many NFL also-rans who went to Ivy League schools. Their education did not give them what they needed because they did not possess what they needed to succeed in the NFL. The best school is not a guarantee you will succeed. Here's my second illustration, doctors. My friend is a plastic surgeon. He is an excellent plastic surgeon. He has removed two moles from my body as well as putting stitches in my head from where my pastor hit me with a pipe. That's the way I like to tell the story anyway. I do not know where he went to school, though I am sure he has told me. I do not know what kind of certificates or diplomas he has accrued through the years. Honestly, his training is not a curiosity for me. What I want to know is whether he has game, and he has game. That's what matters. I am glad others trained him well, and I'm happy he has the God-given ability to apply his training in practical ways. The diploma on his wall, assuming it is there because I've never noticed, is a tertiary matter. A sports illustration, a medical illustration down for the rest of us. More than likely, there was a time when you were in need. Perhaps you needed a mechanic, a dentist, a doctor. Maybe you needed an arborist, a plumber, an electrician. We all have been in that place where we needed to borrow the brains from people with specific skill sets. I suspect in many of those situations, you ask a friend for a recommendation. And upon that recommendation, you made the call and set up the appointment. Word of mouth, personal recommendation is the most common way in which individuals acquire services. I am not sure of a situation like this where I gave thought to where the individual went to school or what certifications were in his possession. Last year, I had a problem with my eye. I called my friend who happened to be an eye doctor. He took care of me. The things we discussed centered on the problem with my eye, not whether he was competent to perform the work on my eye. He has received training, and he is working within his skill set and passion. This perspective is generally how most of us engage those who can provide us with services. Diplomas and certifications tend to be more critical to the people handing them out and the people receiving them than the people who are seeking competent help. 
If being certified or having a diploma is your primary objective, I would challenge you to rethink your motives as well as your goals. The more important thing for you to think about is the best fit for a person like you. You train a child in the way that he or she should go, not in the way that does not make sense or the way that does not serve the child or the way that does not most effectively make use of the child's God-given skill set. So let me ask, what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are the things in which you excel? What do you believe God has called you to do? What do others say you are good at doing? What do you want to do? The first call to action is to find the thing in which you excel, which hopefully will connect to something you genuinely love to do. Once you discern that thing or are reasonably close to that thing, pursue the training you need so you can become the most competent person you can be. There are many places to receive quality training for the thing you want to do. Tom Brady, Chris Matthews, Malcolm Butler received the training they needed, but ultimately it was their unique gift mixes and providence that enabled them to do great things within their field of expertise. Do you need to be certified? No, absolutely not. Do you need to be equipped? Ah, another question. Yes, absolutely. If you go into Christian counseling, I'll assure you that people will not care so much about your certification. People are pragmatists. What they will want from you is competent and compassionate counseling that helps them to live transformed lives in an uncertain and fallen world. You do what you have to do to get to the end, but make sure that transformative training is the end game that you have in mind. If you'd like to explore what it means for you as it pertains to being trained well in the field of Christian counseling, well, then your first step would be to check out our long-distance education training. If you have any questions about that, then please ask. The title of this podcast is, Do I Need to Be Certified to Become a Counselor? Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.